0: On this episode of the Nessun Soccer Podcast, Luis Suarez's Barcelona love story comes to an end, and we share which soccer superstar has COVID and why it's the virus that's in trouble. One, two, three, four! Hello and welcome to the and Soccer Podcast. I am Mark, joined by Marcus here on another Thursday. Marcus, how are you doing today?
1: I'm uh, good, good, no complaints.
0: All right, I, I like you know. You're week to week. You're pretty even keeled, and I appreciate that about you. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: have we have we ever met?
0: <laughs> so uh, the soccer world, the the this transfer window keeps to seems to keep on rolling with a full head of steam and that's what we're going to dive right into this week and something tells me we're going to go right up to the october 5th deadline and have more transfers to talk about over the next couple of weeks but this week it is luis suarez stealing the headlines as he's going to leave barcelona to join atletico madrid six million euro transfer for a two-year contract um and Marcus, we we started diving into Suarez, and I think a lot of people, maybe the first thing they think about is just the deteriorating situation at Barcelona, but then we were surprised to see just how high up on the all-time scoring list Suarez is at Barcelona, and when you really think about the impact he had on the club, like, in a lot of ways, he's probably underrated and clearly overshadowed by, you know, Lionel Messi, but even... In the time that Neymar was there, he was probably got more attention than Suarez. And, you know, a star-studded lineup every year, just even though Suarez got plenty of attention, you know, maybe he he deserved more. But uh, what are your first thoughts when you hear about Suarez heading to Atletico?
1: Yeah, it's, um, you know, we talked on our transfer special uh, several weeks ago. I forget how long it was ago, where... You know, it, it seemed like the transfers were just heating up, and I kind of had a feeling the fun was going to be really in the future as we get closer to the uh, early to mid-October deadlines uh, over in Europe. Um, you know, as for Suarez, he is a uh, nothing short of a legend, uh, certainly at Barcelona. I mean, he's the third highest goal scorer in the club history, 198 goals in 283 games, won four La Ligas, four Copa del Reyes, two Spanish Super Cups, one Champions League, a treble, one FIFA Club World Cup, one UEFA Super Cup, and he's Lionel Messi's best friend forever, uh, <laughs> you know, and this was all in uh, all in the last seven years. So, yeah,
0: not that much time, really. Yeah,
1: I mean, basically, he, he hit the ground running, uh, won a treble in his first year, Uh, That was in uh, 2014 when he left Liverpool. And, uh, yeah, third-highest goal scorer in Barcelona history. Uh, Messi is, you know, far and away ahead of everybody. Uh, Number two, I forget uh, his name doesn't uh, come to mind right away. It was a long time ago. And then you have Luis Suarez, uh, really one of Barcelona's greatest ever players, and I think it's a shame. uh, Not even a shame. I, I will even say... Uh, borderline disgraceful, uh, borderline. How he, how unceremoniously a player of his stature was ushered out the door. Uh, mm-hmm. So he was. Uh, he left training for the last time on uh, Wednesday. Today's Thursday. We're recording. So it was yesterday. Left training. Uh, cameras had him in tears. And I guess what we really want to talk about is why. You know why there are so many emotions tied up into this particular transfer. Uh, yeah. It's it's only a six million euro transfer, by no means you know among the most expensive no. in terms of uh, you know um, amounts of money. It's it's really nothing to mention, but yeah. it is Luis Suarez and his departure really heralds the uh, the breakup of Barcelona's last great team, which was. Uh, had to be five years ago or so, uh, yeah, but it's you know it it, it is significant and it 's worth diving into
0: yeah i when I first heard about it that I would kind of my mind immediately went to just the unraveling at Barcelona and how at this point, when I think about it, I just see the sort of brass of the of the club just. Clinging on to Lionel Messi for dear life because of his financial value and not taking the proper steps to have long term success on the field. And I think it's only a matter of time until it really blows up. You know, next year, probably when Messi is finally able to just walk out the door on his own terms, or a lot of high up people will lose their positions in upcoming elections. But what I'm going to miss most is the throwaway Barcelona games where Messi and Suarez were both out of the lineup and not in the match day squad, so they would go to the game with both of their kids and both of their kids who are the same age would just watch the game together and they seem to be the best of friends. Uh, it's just very heartwarming. Um, it seemed to be some genuine soccer appreciation in those times.
1: Yeah, but, it's one of uh, yeah. it's one of soccer's great bromances. Uh, Luis <laughs> yeah. Suarez and Lionel Messi. You know they uh, they vacationed together. Uh, Suarez and his wife crashed Messi's honeymoon a few years ago. Um, <laughs> it's it, you know I don't know if they crashed. It, does it count as crashed if you're invited? He uh, was guess invited, not, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so you know there were there there were. Um, there were tears, but you have to, be, you, you have to understand why Barcelona right. wanted him out. Uh, he's 33 years old. He earns an astronomical salary, uh, but there was a trigger in his contract. Uh, his contract was due to expire at the end of uh, the 2020-21 season. If he played 60% of the games, which chances are he might have, it would automatically trigger another option year. So Barcelona wanted to get the final one plus one years off of their books and they did that um, somewhat brutally Uh, Ronald Coleman in his first call told Luis Suarez that he didn't want him uh, didn't didn't rely on him Suarez has been the starting striker at the club you know the leading center forward for uh, since 2014 and uh, you know this has all happened in a matter of days and as I said earlier unceremonious
0: yeah, I mean, it, it does get complicated, and especially given the current state of the world, I wonder what a ceremonious exit would have looked like anyway, but it's definitely tough. I mean, certainly there could have been a better way to, to go about it, but...
1: Well, they did, uh, as they do in Spain, they, they did give Barcelona a, uh, a press conference, and uh, that was on Thursday, and uh, we have some sound from that press conference, uh, so you can hear from Suarez.
0: To, jugar
1: to come here and
0: to achieve a dream, a dream that I have made true, made a reality here in Barcelona, I I is something that I, I could never have even imagined. Good stuff from Suarez himself, but Marcus, I mean, you seem to have a little more in-depth knowledge about why exactly Luis Suarez wanted to be at Barcelona in the first place.
1: Well, this... Uh... Full disclosure: Suarez has been one of my
0: favorite players for
1: uh,
0: boy. Ever since he bit somebody's ear off.
1: No, even before that, um, (laughs) I saw him play uh, many years ago when he was young. Uh, Before he went to Ajax, he was at Groningen in the Netherlands. And just the game I saw, he stood out was an absolute animal. And uh, when I first started covering Liverpool, Suarez was there. uh, Suarez was there as a uh, you know, he was the marquee player. So what we have is, uh, it's it's really a love story. Uh, Luis Suarez and his wife, uh, you have to forgive me, her name doesn't come to mind. Uh, They're childhood teenage sweethearts. And Suarez was a uh, promising young soccer prospect, but when he was about 15, 16, her family moved to, Barcelona, Uh, that motivated him to become a star. Uh, He became a star in Uruguay, then went overseas uh, to the Netherlands, where I think Groningen was his first club. And he had this goal in mind, and that would be to reunite his whole family. So his wife joined him in the Netherlands. Uh, They got married, you know, started a family. Then they went to Amsterdam together, where he was at Ajax. Then they went to Liverpool and all the while, Suarez had this goal of getting to Barcelona, where his wow. wife, uh, where his wife's family grew up. So all the trials, all the tribulations, they all sort of culminated in Suarez's move in 2014 to Barcelona. And uh, boy, it's been uh, it, it's been a fantastic run for him there. Uh, wow, I never knew any of that. Well, that's why I'm here, Mark. <laughs> uh, that's awesome so, yeah so yes it is uh, It is a bit of a love story uh, I wouldn't say it's the end of it because those two are still together still a happy family and they uh, now they're off to Madrid which is interesting
0: yeah. well I think Madrid is a good substitute for Barcelona as far as a place to live and uh, you know I hope they can just smile that it happened Um, as far as the reuniting of the family. That is really cool, though. But uh, Madrid doesn't seem to have necessarily been Luis Suarez's only opportunity or option or even first choice. He was linked to Juventus pretty heavily about a week ago. Um, And I thought that that was going to materialize because Juventus's rumors have seemed to be more and more true lately. Um, But... Then there was some sort of bizarre uh, passport cheating. I don't want to call it a scandal. It feels like it's probably more of a mistake than anything. But what went down with Luis Suarez trying to get a an Italian passport?
1: Well, yes, he. Uh, I thought he was on his way to Juventus, but there was a problem. Juventus didn't have any slots for non-EU players. Now his wife has Italian citizenship. Uh, Suarez reportedly speaks only basic or rudimentary Italian. She has Italian citizenship, me too, through, through her, <laughs> <laughs> through her parents or uh, grandparents. Uh, so she'd be fine. Luis Suarez went to take the test in uh, Peru. Is it Perugia or Perugia, Italy? Perugia. Perugia. He went to Perugia to take the test. Uh, apparently, they suspect that Suarez had the answers provided to him (laughs) before the tests. So police in Perugia are investigating him for cheating. Nevertheless, uh, he could not get that uh, quick Italian passport that he sought. So plan B, Atletico Madrid jumps in at the last minute. Atletico Madrid sends Alvaro Alvaro Morata back to Juventus, where he was on loan between 2014 and 2016. And then they went for Suarez, who they got for a low transfer fee and a vastly reduced salary. And they have a player who's obviously going to have a chip on his shoulder as they uh, try and maybe make one or two last shots at uh, winning La Liga and the Champions League under uh, Diego Simeone. But who is he teaming up with in Atletico Madrid's front line? None other than Diego Costa. Uh, yeah that would be one, very very deadly. Yes it's, it's well it would have been deadly 5 years ago right. but uh now <laughs> but it still. now it just looks like it's going to be fun. Uh right. They you know those two that's that's where we sort of talked about the uh cheating those two are known as uh two of soccer's biggest uh in England they would call them wind-up merchants. What do we call them there? Provocateurs. Villains. Yes. Yeah. Two of the great villains of the last ten years: Diego Costa and Luis Suarez in the same front line. Uh, I see a lot of stories coming out of there, and uh, and then you have Diego Simeone, who is more combustible than the both of them. So yeah, this should be it. Should be a lot of fun, worth watching at uh, Atletico Madrid.
0: Yeah, just back to Suarez's situation uh, with the. Uh, Italian citizenship or passport or whatever he was trying to get. I'm not shocked at all that he uh, supposedly reportedly was provided with answers to questions on this test. Is that how you
1: passed the test?
0: (laughs) Well, I I haven't taken the test, but I'm aware of what what is on that test to some degree. But what is much more surprising is that the – you know, law enforcement, the government did anything about it. Like, the the fact that they would step in and stop that from from going on is pretty shocking. Must not have been very big Juventus fans in uh, Perugia. Um, Perugia is kind of sandwiched between Florence and Rome, so a long way from Turin. And, uh, I mean, I just, you know, I feel like that's the sort of thing that we would uh, have gotten used to Italian governments turning their head and not having a problem doing so. But let's not get too much into that, because that's a whole other rabbit, rabbit hole. <laughs> um, <laughs> One that I'm sure you
1: would love to jump down, but uh, <laughs> moving moving along.
0: Uh, okay, so, yeah, no, I, I think it'll be very exciting at Atletico Madrid. Um, Barcelona, I mean, the La Liga shape right now, I think it's going to be Atletico and Real Madrid. Really challenging for the La Liga title, and Barcelona probably having a really tough time. And we're going to see probably a lot of sad Lionel Messi pictures in the in the coming year, I would imagine. Uh, but let's let's go back over to Italy, where the one and only uh, my hero, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, <laughs> uh, he revealed on his Twitter account that he tested positive for COVID nineteen. Um, certainly nothing to take lightly, but Zlatan, as only Zlatan can do, we'll just read the tweet quote. He said, he tweeted, I tested positive or I tested negative to COVID yesterday and positive today. No symptoms whatsoever. COVID had the courage to challenge me. Bad idea. End quote. That's like, it's just like Zlatan's probably just been waiting to get test positive, And he's probably known he was going to say that for months at this point.
1: That is totally on brand for uh, Slatan. <laughs> it, uh, you know, he is one of the uh, one one of the baddest men alive, and it's no surprise that, uh, you know, that were he to test positive for COVID nineteen, that he would react in such a way. Now, had he been symptomatic, had he suffered as so many have uh, under this uh, terrible virus. I'm sure the reaction would have been different, but he was asymptomatic. And, you know, I was... Uh, when I saw the news, AC Milan announced that Zlatan had uh, tested positive, And I was waiting with cat-like readiness for his reaction <laughs> because I knew it would be something like that. Uh, right. And And it, you know, it, it was just what, uh, what the
0: doctor ordered. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, Zlatan's been just... Continuing on, he scored two goals in the Milan's Serie A opener win over Bologna. He scored another goal in their Europa League qualifying. Um, Milan actually plays today at 2.30, Thursday the 24th, and, you know, have another Serie A match over the weekend. So he'll likely be out of both of those at least. Um, But, you know, he's – He's a big part of this AC Milan team that is trying to put something together to challenge with the top dogs in Syria, and that's no easy task. But Zlatan has been a bolt of lightning for them, so hopefully, he does just is able to kind of just come back in a week or two and have you know pretty much be in shape and ready to go.
1: Yeah, he's zebra. What uh, I wouldn't expect anything
0: else. <laughs> So, uh, well, how much time we got here, Marcus? Do do we want to, you don't want to, you want to go through any of these uh, Zlatan uh, quotes that we have listed here? Or?
1: Well, you know, the internet, uh, which always wins. When Zlatan uh, was, when when AC Milan announced Zlatan's positive test, what did he do? Uh, What did the internet do? they started with the jokes. Now I am in no way making light of COVID-19 and the seriousness of it. Sure. But the internet jokes, uh, they, they deserve, to, uh, deserve to be shared. So here's some of the best, or some of these standout ones. COVID has tested positive for Zlatan. Mm. Uh, basically Zlatan's like uh, Chuck Norris, as far <laughs> as the internet's concerned. Thoughts are with the virus at this difficult time. And the virus is now in quarantine for two weeks. Uh, Another one, Zlatan does not contract COVID. COVID contracts Zlatan. Uh, Finally, oh wait, uh, maybe he's the cure. And then finally, this from uh, England, former England striker Gary Lineker. Ibra official has tested positive for coronavirus. Thoughts are with the virus at this difficult time. Uh, It's the internet. What does it do? It jokes. It, it always wins. Yeah, it always um, wins, every single time.
0: So uh, w- let's, let's get to our matches of the weekend, and we're going to go a little more in-depth uh, kind of on some maybe big-picture stuff with the teams surrounding the matches that we want to select. Uh, so we'll start with my match of the week. That will be Manchester United traveling to Brighton, 7.30 a.m. Eastern on Saturday on NBC Sports Network, so you will be able to watch it. You don't need to be a Peacock subscriber, um, but we won't get into all of that. Uh, what we will get into is Manchester United off to a not-so-hot start in their Premier League season, losing 3-1 to to Crystal Palace in their opener, um, their first competitive match since losing to Sevilla in the Europa League back in August. Um, They did win a Carabao Cup club match um, on Tuesday, but that was not exactly a a high-profile fixture. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Marcus, when you think about Manchester United right now, and, like, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, they haven't – they won uh, Europa League in 2017. They won the FA Cup in 2016. But, I mean, they haven't – put together a truly impressive campaign probably since their last premier league title in 2013 and in that time they finished seventh fourth fifth sixth runners up in 2018 then sixth place again in 2019 third last year but it was kind of a scramble at the end and they were very competitive with chelsea and leicester city could have ended up in fifth or sixth again um and I you know I mean it's only one game, but very uninspiring. I mean they have a lot of talented players, but also just some players that uh, just kind of question marks about how is this the the lineup that Manchester United is putting out when you look at some of the other clubs in England and around the world like Manchester United should always be at least talent wise like on paper one of the top teams in the world and Manchester United, on paper, is just not one of the top teams in the world. In my mind, I look at their lineup, I see Paul Pogba and Marcus Rashford as their two best players, and it kind of just drops off after that. I mean, and I don't know.
1: Well, you know, Manchester United's a weird situation because they've been sort of hovering around for all but one season, I think. They've been hovering around third, fourth, fifth place, uh, maybe as low as sixth in the uh, Premier League. And this is really since, yeah, since 2013, since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. Uh, For me, they always seem a little bit closer to dropping out of the uh, top four than to crashing into the top two. And uh, years of failed transfer policy is to blame. Uh, years of, well, it starts at the top, years of just mismanagement from a sporting perspective. Uh, Ed Woodward is the, uh, he, he's the one in charge over there, and he's gotten more wrong than he's had right. Uh, the transfers are a perfect representation of his, uh, of his failings as a, uh, an administrator in this sport. Um, he's been, you know, other teams have gotten the better of him you know, personally in negotiations time and time again uh, paid too much for the wrong players uh, sold some players and really just from a squad building and sports planning operation, they've been, uh, they've been a mess. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding. It's always, um, you know, they always have uh, one or two big signings in mind. They never seem to get them. And then, you know, add into the fact that they've changed coaches uh, David Moyes was there, Louis Van Hall, Jose Mourinho, now Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. That's four coaches in seven years. Um, yeah. so yeah, it, it seems like, uh, this season, you know, the loss to Crystal Palace at the beginning was, uh, it's like the knives come right back out and any mm-hmm. good feeling that, uh, that arose was, um, at least over the op- off season, any sense of optimism was quickly swept away. And, uh, for those that are not of the Man United persuasion, it was pretty funny.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, when you talk about uh, being linked to potential transfer targets, uh, I think the most popular one right now is probably Jaden Sancho. Yeah. Being linked to Manchester United. Now, Jaden Sancho has been linked to Manchester United, I think, for like over a year now. Uh, yeah, something like that. And basically, I think it's a weird situation where – like Dortmund is just gonna like they're very happy to hang on to Jaden Sancho, play him every night, have him, you know, keep them in the top four and challenge for the Bundesliga if if they can possibly do that with Bayern Munich. And they they're under no pressure to sell at any sort of discount price. And it's like, listen, Manchester United, if you're not gonna Pay up what we want for Jaden Sancho.
1: Show me the money.
0: Right. We're going to wait until Manchester City or Liverpool or Barcelona they pay up. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is like Manchester United will wait to sign up. Like Jaden Sancho may very well end up at Manchester United, but they're going to pay whatever Dortmund was asking for, you know, in 2019, except they're going to do it in like 2021. And, and Sancho's a young player, so they'll still get him at his prime. But I think this has maybe happened with a few other players where it's like they're the players first linked with the club, and then two years later they actually sign, and suddenly Man United is paying the same price for two less years of that player's prime. And it's just all kind of like snowballing or just the contract. That's if they and, get him
1: in the first place.
0: Right. And, yeah. I mean, then you look at the contracts and I are mean, like – Harry Maguire, seven years, fifty-nine million pounds. Like Harry Maguire's okay, but he's not Virgil Van Dyke, and he, <laughs> you know, and uh, and it he seems co- like it costs more. Yeah, it seems like Paul Pogba is never really used correctly, or just can't like he can't get him to be, um, you know, the maximum of his potential. Uh, whereas he goes to France, and he is the maximum of his potential. So uh, it's, it's it's frustrating in the sense that it's like it, – not that I'm even a Manchester United fan. It's just I feel like this, m- you know, lack of a better term, legendary club worldwide brand is not living up to its own name. And more or less, it, cr- it makes the Premier League like not as interesting almost. Not that like, the Premier League is plenty interesting, but you know if Manchester United was competing with Man City and Liverpool right now, it would be, you know, just that much better.
1: Yeah, uh, so I have to ask you, even though I know the answer is no, I'm not uh, because it's too early. Why are you going to wake up and watch this 7:30 a.m. game on Saturday,
0: Brighton Man United? I mainly just wanted to talk about how Man United is failing, which is why I bought the game up. <laughs> so uh, will you be watching? I, I probably will not catch kickoff, but I'll uh, be up by halftime and I'll turn it on. I'll watch the second right. half. Well,
1: maybe if you uh, go, to bed early on, go to bed early on Friday. Let's we'll uh, see. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I have a game that I will be watching, guaranteed, and I'm sure anybody else who can find it, also will be watching that is Sunday, Liverpool Arsenal 3 p.m. I'm sorry. That is Monday at 3 p.m. Yep. Liverpool versus Arsenal, uh, in English, you can catch that on Peacock. Uh, I'll be watching this because it's, uh, Liverpool, whenever Liverpool and Arsenal play, certainly historically in the premier league, always a lot of fun, always a lot of goals, uh, you know, I can go back to Andre Arshavin scoring four against Liverpool about 10 years ago. Uh, Liverpool has hung four or five on Arsenal uh, a couple times in recent years. Uh, two big Premier League clubs. That is the game of the weekend in the Premier League. It's a rematch of the Community Shield, which Arsenal won after a 1-1 draw. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it'll be a test to see where Arsenal really stands uh, vis-a-vis the uh, big guns in the Premier League. Uh, Mikel Arteta has uh, created a lot of optimism around the Emirates Stadium, but uh, yeah, we don't know really how real it should be or it will be. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if uh, we'll see that resilient arsenal that uh, we saw in the uh, Community Shield or we saw in the uh, FA Cup last season, or if it'll be the, uh, you know, mentally frail and fragile Gunners that we've seen so often over the last uh, longer than I care to admit.
0: Well, Marcus, I mean, this is clearly the match of the weekend in all of Europe, in my opinion. Um, And Arsenal themselves have quite a slate of games before um, ending on Halloween. They play Liverpool on Monday. Then they also will take on Manchester City. Leicester City, who won their first two Premier League matches again this year. And then Man United on October 31st. So, wow. a huge stretch. Of, huge month. Huge month for Arsenal. But, I mean, Marcus, you must be on top of the world. Arsenal has won, outright won, eight straight matches. When was the last time you can remember that happening for Arsenal? Uh, I can't. <laughs> and among them is the FA eight Cup Eight in final. a row? Are you
1: are you counting friendlies?
0: No, I'm not counting. Again? <laughs> no. <laughs> or Sorry, seven in a row. I did count one friendly.
1: Yeah, uh, here we go. I got to
0: get, I got to, you know, watch out. Uh, for yeah. Seven in, row, seven, seven in a row, seven wins
1: in a row in any sport, any competition is, uh, and is they did
0: three. win that friendly too, but <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fine. seven wins in a friendly in a row in any competition is a uh, reason to smile. But, uh, yeah, as you said, at the beginning of this show, I'm keeping it even keel and, uh, you know, if Arsenal beats Liverpool 4-0, uh, we can talk about it. I might have a different
0: reaction, but... Um, yeah, I think they're, I think, I think they're going to win because I'll tell you why. Liverpool snuck by Leeds United 4-3 in uh, not impressive showing. Then they were tied with Chelsea at halftime 0-0 last weekend when Chelsea was handed a red card right before halftime. And, it, like, you know, it was a tough decision against Chelsea. Liverpool comes out, scores two goals in the second half, being a man up. Um, and But in that first half, when it was 11-on-11, 11 11, Chelsea looked to be right there with them. And, you know, I think that they're just kind of, like, ripe for the picking right now. And it's a, it's a good time to be playing Liverpool if you're Arsenal. Um, but, Marcus, I do have one question for you. Are you a Peacock subscriber, and are you, if you're not, are you subscribing purely to be able to watch this game on Monday?
1: Uh, No comment, and then uh, (laughs) no comment. Okay.
0: Can't can't have your business out there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I am not a subscriber, but uh, I think I might go in with, like, my brothers or something, figure something out. Yeah,
1: it's five bucks a month.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah. I guess it's worth it. A lot, of, a lot of good content beyond soccer getting on there, too. So, um, But all right, Marcus, I think that that sounds like a good show to me. Um, thank you for joining me, and uh, I'm very excited for this slate of matches this weekend. Um, any last word?
1: Nope, none at all.
0: All right. For those listening, be sure to keep listen, listening on nesson.com slash podcast, and also you can Follow the Nesson Soccer Podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Just search our name, Nesson Soccer Podcast, um, and you can follow along with the entire Nesson Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. Turn the Rebel Radio. you must have know.
1: turn the Rebel Radio.